to the Skeptic Wire. Scatological. Hello! Hello! It is April 18th, 2012, episode 54 of The Skeptic Wire. I am your host, or an host, Gary Lawn, and with me, Yay. per mostly usual, is Donna Swafford. Hello! And Greg Perrine. Hi, folks. And the dogs. Woof. As they snore at us. Uh, how's everybody's week? Everybody's yeah. last week? Good? Yeah. Happy? Yeah. It's, yeah. Been, it's been a week. No. It's been seven <laughs> days. You know, I'm, I'm doing this CrossFit stuff, right? I'm, I know you guys don't want to hear about that shit. But well, no, I, I'm, I need, you know I'm trying just, to get back on the exercise machine, I, too. I'm the so. one okay, who probably should be hearing about it after I went to the doctor this week. And he went, I know that you're under a lot of stress with all things considered. And I should probably... You're doing all things considered on NPR? Yeah. Pretty That'd much. be great. Oh. Mention the podcast. <laughs> um, he's all like, you know, everything's going on in your life. Your blood pressure is um, hospitalization time. So here, take some these. Drugs. <laughs> Yay. Yay, drugs he gave to me reduce. happy little drugs that Yay. don't really do much. Well, let's hope they reduce your blood pressure. But uh, so regardless, you may find this humorous. Um and interesting, maybe. I reserve judgment until the end of the story. Continue. So I've been doing doing Friday morning workouts. Okay. Or, sorry, morning workouts. And this one happened to be on a Friday, so therefore a Friday morning workout. And we were doing a series of things called Pat Tillman's. Because uh, we Pat Tillman was the atheist in the foxhole who went over to Afghanistan. Afghanistan and was killed by his own troops. And was killed by his own troops and it got covered up, blah, blah, blah. Well, he had a workout. Way to bring us down at the beginning of the podcast, Gary. That's fine. Uh, (laughs) Wait till we start talking about HIV. Yes. Well, he he had a workout where he would do however many... Prostitutes. No, 12 12 deadlifts and then do like a 200-meter run and then do 15 pull-ups. Something like that. And so we had to do that as quickly as possible as do as uh, seven of seven sets of those right uh and what i was worried about was on on the pull-ups because i hadn't been doing pull-ups yet and my upper body strength is not enough to Wimpy. really pull me up i can Should... do i can do like one you know every about 10 minutes or so uh and to do 12 is quite difficult but uh they, they give you little rubber band things to, to bounce and, and help you out right so what I was worried about, especially doing the deadlifts and, and doing the pull-ups, is, is my, my hands. Down. No, oh. my hands. getting Ripping up my hands because I had a gig Friday night and then Saturday. Or Sunday. And that so you was, didn't go to. W- right. The Sunday gig <laughs> got canceled three hours before I was supposed to go We're to. not going to ever let you finish telling the right. story, just so you know. So I, I was really worried about that. And I, I you know, said, so, you know, can we do something about it? Well, if, uh, the instructor said, well, if, if you start messing up your hands or you feel like your hands are getting really bad you know we'll, we'll tape them up or, or whatever we'll, we'll help you out so, great no worries what I didn't realize is that for the rest of the day and pretty much for the rest of the weekend I wouldn't be able to lift my arms above my head <laughs> <laughs> because they were just so sore so sore and you know <laughs> so like like my hands were great but then I realized that I couldn't 
<laughs> move my hand. I was walking around like a big muscle-bound guy because <laughs> I couldn't straight out my and arms. And that's kind of problematic for a drummer who has to reach across and hit various cymbals quickly and yeah, on time. Yeah, and I wasn't using my own drum sets. Uh-huh. So Friday night, there's and it was set up to be a show set, which means that the cymbals are further away, you know, so that you can... You can see the drummer, whereas I do like a more jazz type of set where everything's really close and I don't have to move a lot. So this one was like a rock and roll, you know, look at me, I'm the drummer kind of drum set. So everything is completely different. So I had to adjust for that as well as trying to reach out my arms to hit the damn cymbals and, and, and actually the drums. So you're taking into account that extra millisecond you have to start oh, yeah. reaching towards the cymbal faster just because it's a bigger setup, but also <laughs> my muscles aren't going to let me get there in time, so I have to start even sooner. Yeah, it was quite the logistics battle on on getting my body to do what it needed to be, what it needed to do to to actually pay there. So the moral of the story is do not exercise. The the moral of the story is Is, don't overdo it. (laughs) I was going to say the moral of the story is don't do intensive shoulder and arm workouts when you have to drum later. Yeah. I didn't realize it was going to be that bad. Turns out it's that it's bad. It's that bad. So, anyway, there we go. Moving on. Do we have any birthdays? <laughs> yes, yes, we do. So, in addition to some famous folks like Melissa Joan Hart and Christian Slater and um, Alai Kamani, the Supreme Leader of the Islamic Republic of Iran, April Yay. 18th, 1857, is the birthday of Clarence Darrow. Oh, I know that name. Scopes Monkey Trap. Yes, yes he is. So he was a lawyer or something, right? Uh, as I said, born in 1857. He was born in Ohio, but uh, spent a lot of time in California and so the Chicago area. So he's a hippie. Uh, well, maybe he was not. a gangster hippie, apparently. Well, most of his earlier early law career was representing labor in disputes. So if um, someone was on strike and they were sued, or if there was a problem, like, I don't know, someone in labor blew up a building or something, he would represent them and defend them, that sort was of thing. Was that happening a lot back then? Yeah, there was a lot of labor disputes that got kind of violent. Hmm. So um, he was pretty well known as being a, a labor lawyer. Uh, but in 1911, in one of the um, – he was defending the McNamara, McNamara brothers – um, the people; these are people who were accused of dynamiting a Los Angeles Times building. Well, that's no good. So, um, and and apparently there was accusations of trying to bribe the jury, <laughs> and there were people involved in the defense team that were found to have actually given the bribes. Um, it's not known for one hundred percent fact if Clarence Darrow was involved in that at all. He wasn't found at the time, but he was kind of painted with that brush of scandal. So he kind of, he basically agreed that he was not going to practice law in California anymore. That was the kind of settlement with the bar. And um, after that, not a lot of labor unions wanted to use him as their lawyer because he had gotten kind of tarnished this way. So he moved over to criminal law. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But (laughs) he still stayed as a defense attorney. He was he was very eloquent. He was known for, I mean, maybe this was known for the time, but he would have these four to twelve hour closing statements. Um, <laughs> these really really long closing statements where that that would not fly, I think, in today's yeah. judiciary. 
especially well, they, not didn't, in, they didn't ever do it on law and order so therefore it's not <laughs> yeah i was gonna say if you can't do it in 42 minutes you know you're shit out of luck right. um but he was known for being very eloquent he could move a jury to tears and stuff like that um and was pretty well known as a defense attorney um before the scopes monkey trial he was most famous for leopold and loeb which was nathan leopold and richard loeb who were these two kid teenagers, late teens. I, yeah, I know this one. Who were uh, basically accused of kidnapping and ransoming this 14-year-old kid, Bobby Franks. And these were two kids who were from a very well-to-do neighborhood in the Chicago area. And there was a lot of scandal about, um, you know, there was a lot of evidence against these kids. They made a full confession and they showed where the body was and all that. Essentially, the kids pled guilty but Darrow is able to convince the jury that they should not be given the death penalty. <laughs> so they got life plus 99 years or something like something weird like that. Um, but this was one of those things where he had a 12 hour closing argument <laughs> and he was basically able he was to like, okay, fine, shut up. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was able to bring in a lot of psychology and, um, and, um, you know, kind of sociological influences on kids that it wasn't just someone deciding to do something bad. They were raised in an environment that, that just led to this, that sort of thing. So, which was good. Um, he, he was originally going to retire before he did the scopes trial. Um, but he was brought in as part of essentially kind of a OJ Simpson, super lawyer team, because I, I didn't know quite so much that the, the scopes trial was the ACLU trying to get sued because there's the, there was this law in Tennessee called the Butler act which was kind of forbidding the the teaching of evolution whatsoever. And the ACLU wanted this as a test case. And Scopes didn't even know if he had taught evolution, but he'd kind of gone through the chapter as a substitute teacher. So he said, sure, okay, if if someone can prove that I taught evolution, then sure, I'll be the test case defendant. Um, But, um, you know, as, as we all know from having watched Inherit the Wind, which was loosely based on this trial... He was still found guilty. Scopes was, yeah. and um, but it's not, that's often overlooked. Yes, is the fact that they, they actually lost the case. They lost the case, but there's a lot of people. You you won't hear this from the evangelical fundamentalists, but there's a lot of people who say that it started to change the public opinion. Yeah. About um, evolution, which eventually led to kind of in the the communist scare era of actually people wanting to be better in our education than the Soviets were. So that was a higher priority than having fundamentalist Christian values in your <laughs> school. So they wanted to make sure that everybody got the most latest science, the most latest science. What the hell am I talking about? Yeah, nap. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But um, yeah, so he was pretty famous for that, but there was also a, a racial trial that he was involved in called the Ossian suite trial where this black family moved into a white neighborhood and this mob came to drive them out and someone in the family shot someone defending their home which is fairly appropriate given the whole Trayvon Martin thing that's been going on it was a stand your ground kind of but they didn't have that law back then yeah especially not for uh non-whites exactly and that and that's really what it came down to Clarence Darrow he said um 
I insist there is nothing but prejudice in this case. That if it was reversed and 11 white men had shot and killed a black while protecting their home and their lives against the mobs of blacks, nobody would have dreamed of having them indicted. They would have been given medals instead. So it really kind of showed the hypocrisy of prosecuting this black family for defending their their home against a mob. And um, there were 11 people. One, the guy who actually shot the shot was found not guilty by self-defense and the and the charges against everybody else was dropped because the prosecutors saw this was a stupid case. So you mm-hmm. had this guy, Clarence Starrow, who was um, pro-civil rights. He, you know, his mother was very, uh, uh, was a feminist and into equal rights. So, um, and, and also Clarence Darrow was agnostic or a free thinker and, you know, of a family of free thinkers. So, um, very skeptical, very, um, a, a good name for rationality and, and someone you should know real life. Yes. And was born today, April 18th in 1857. That seems so long ago. Yes. Probably because it was. Yes. <laughs> but not compared to the age of the universe. Regardless. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We also want to remind people to go to the Facebook site, Help Reunite Ariel and Jordan. Yes. So Jordan was on our podcast a few times last year. As a guest caster. Yes. And... Um, He's dealing with a custody battle with uh, his ex-wife, I believe, or ex-girlfriend. I'm not sure about the ex whole situation. Ex of some relationship. We'll just say ex. Yes. And yes. the interesting thing that I'll say in the in the week or so since I've started posting this to my Facebook page is some of my friends who obviously don't know Jordan um, have have asked me, well, how do I know this isn't a, a scam? scam. Yeah, and I've that's been asked the actually thing. a very good question to ask, and I I wasn't insulted by these questions. Like, this is someone I know. I know them personally. I know the situation in in that I think, in my point of view, I don't know all the details of this case. Uh, you know, we haven't heard from Jordan everything about what's going on, but he deserves the chance to have his day in court to argue his case and that's all I'm asking for my friends. And that's all we're asking of our listeners, that if you can help Jordan out, he's basically he's selling um, pendants and engraved lighters to try to get have a thank you for people who are helping him out. And if you can give, great. If you don't, if you can't or you don't feel that you can't, you agree with the situation, that's fine. That's your own choice to make. And I will get off my soapbox. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I was going to... Never mind. I was going to say that. Go ahead. Go uh, ahead. Make fun of no, me, no, you no. bastard. No, I was make fun I'm trying to be all eloquent and, and, and like, Darrowish. Stuff. Clarence Darrowish. But no, you're just going to make fun of me. Eloquent and stuff. And, and shit. And <laughs> shit. Come on, Gary. We have the explicit tag. We might as well use it, you fucker. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> just because while I'm talking, you guys are always staring at your laptops. That's not always, not always. Sometimes I look up and, and look Give over at you and realize and... you're still talking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I hate you, Gary. Uh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, our first topic, real, our first real topic. I have a feeling that this has incited some rage in you this past week. Well... 
Not so much rage. Not so much rage. Anger, ire, um, frustration. Frustration. I would uh, definitely give it that. And maybe a little bit. Wet your pants. Fear. Okay. Uh, the Texas Freedom Network follows Texas politics a lot. There were some of the the first people that that were calling out the State Board of Education when they started doing this ultra conservative, not even not even conservative, just the the batshit crazy stuff that they started doing on the board by denying evolution and the, the McElroy fiasco with changing the standards. So they're they're really staying on top well, of yeah. No, well, it's not just changing the standards. It's I mean they're really. You know, it, it, it's stomping the standards. The whole idea of standing up to the experts. Yes. Right, because, you know, according to Don McElroy, well, we don't need experts in Texas. That's right. Well, no, someone has to stand up to the experts. It's not just weakening the standards by leaving stuff out. They're actually purposely putting things in to be anti-science. Yes, and, anti- and, and, and starting with the uh, teach the controversy. That's that's the, the the big thing that they're trying to do. Well, this year, 2012, all of the seats are up for re-election. Uh, we're not going to tell you who to vote for, but, but we could. But we could. But we may mock some of the ideas of some <laughs> of the people. Uh, the first one that has come to my attention, anyway, and certainly a TFN is Gail Spurlock, uh, a lady from Dallas, which would be District 12, for those of you who are in Texas. So is all of Dallas one district, or is it split off? Because I know here in San Antonio we're split in two. Uh, there's there's more than one district up okay. in Dallas, I'm pretty sure. So part of she re- represents part of Dallas and surrounding areas. Yeah, probably. Yeah. And I'm sure that they have one or two people up there. Uh, but they have a couple of people running for for the, the State Board of Education. Um She's a, a mother of three grown children, the youngest of whom was homeschooled, which Sounds I, it always... Sounds vaguely familiar like somebody else that was on our State Board of Education. Yes, or currently is. It occurred to me after reading that, that the thing about homeschoolers wanting to get on the State Board of Education, and for the most part, from what I can tell, is they always want to change the standards of what people need to know to be biblical in nature. And the reason I think they want to do that is because it's easy. So you don't have to know a lot of stuff. All you have to do is read the one book, and that's it. To be fair, there are plenty of people out there who are secular and homeschool. Absolutely. So there are people out there out there, but the people who seem to really get invested in the school board situation and are homeschoolers are very likely to be the ones who want to push their ideas on you. Yes. Um, She is a product of the Tea Party, quite obviously and proudly. She is a concerned patriot. She has completed candidate training workshops sponsored by American Majority, and she attended a Freedom Works workshop. Sounds very Tea Party-ish. These are all very Tea Party. And and, uh, she's, she's part of the Richardson Tea Party and True the Vote. Through the vote. Yep. Mobilizing and training volunteers who are willing to work as election monitors. Okay. Depends on what you're monitoring for. pursuing fraud reports to ensure prosecution when appropriate. 
Okay. Uh, so all that talk of... Providing a support system for our volunteers that includes live and online training, quick reference guides, a call bank to phone in problem reports, information on videotaping at polling places, and security as necessary. Creating documentaries and instructional videos for use in recruiting and training. Raising awareness of the problem through strategic outreach efforts, including advertising, social networking, media relations, and relational marketing, and voter registration programs and efforts to validate existing registration lists, including the use of pattern recognition software to detect problem areas. Okay, so... Well, election monitoring is good, but it depends on... What what slant you have when you're trying to monitor elections? It sounds like it might, given her other background, it may be one of those groups that's looking, trying to find, trying to almost manufacture. Profiling. We are working to restore integrity to the American system of electing its leaders. So they believe that the entire system is broken. Yeah. Is what the whole thing is. So they're they're going out there looking for for problems. Exactly. They're yeah. They they fall under the whole Tea Party uh, umbrella. Um, so she gives a very vague description of her professional life. She there's no real specifics except that she's a successful small business owner who does consulting for Fortune 500 companies in the areas of management training, technical writing, and business process engineering. Consulting can mean a hell of a lot of things. Yeah, and she's an instructor who trains various types of team members, including skilled manufacturing laborers and executives. And she writes course curricula and user guides and programmer references, in addition to being a software development engineer. Um, Interestingly enough, she believes uh, in the importance of the fundamental learning skills of the three R's, And the broad-based liberal arts curriculum that high schools provide. She spoke the word liberal? She did. Well, liberal arts. (laughs) Still. Now, she uses the term conservative and committed conservative a lot in her description, which I find annoying. Uh, It is imperative that we elect a committed conservative to the SBOE who will staunchly protect the, the standards that they have put in place. And she's very worried about that. Now, this is what I, I found interesting. Uh, there were there were two people that she mentions uh, that are very large in her uh, education. Um, first is her knowledge of American history, political science, oh, and religious heritage. D- don't tell me. No, it's not Barton. Not Barton? No. Oh, well. Uh, it's Will Durant, The Story of Civilization, which she claims she... She uh, acquired a thorough understanding of his. And now that's an eleven-volume set of Western, basically Western civilization, the rise of Western civilization. But there does have a problem in that it, the last time that it was updated was like 1974. So it was written over a 30-year period, and it's based in that time period. It's it's got the the same biases that a lot of the people from that time period had against uh, foreigners, <laughs> basically. <laughs> and it is also a Judeo-Christianic-centric viewpoint as well. The other person is a nutritionist named Adele Davis. <laughs> a cook? 
Uh, no, 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 no. A not, historian no, and a cook no, no, are no, influencing not, a state board no, of education person. Sorry. No, she's a dietitian. <laughs> she's a dietitian. Yeah, she's she's not a cook. And, uh, but Adele Davis wrote a book in the 70s as well. So she's talking about nutrition from the 70s, and it's highly debunked science uh, from Adele uh, Davis. So she doesn't even have... Yeah, but what about her singing career? <laughs> oh, different Adele. Okay. Different Adele. So, so Gail studied nutrition extensively while her children were infants and toddlers, and she had studied Adele Davis. So now you see where the kids grew up were in the 70s, probably a little bit older than I am. And it is no coincidence, she says, that the increase in obesity parallels the increase in fat-free foods. I was horrified to discover that schools were serving 2% milk instead of whole milk. Because calcium... In, well, this is part of Adele Davis's thing. Uh, Adele Davis thought that not only physical health, but mental and social ills could be cured with the proper diet, stating alcoholism, crime, suicide, and divorce were the product of a mere poor diet. So this is the kind of thinking that Gail Spurlock has. But let's go beyond just that. Let's, let's go to some of the quotes that Gail came up with when she was being interviewed. And you can find this. There will be a, a link to the YouTube video because the uh, North Texas, the vetting board, North Texas vetting board, uh, interviewed all of these people and asked them a series of 10 questions. All the people running for the state All board. the people running for the State Board of Education. So they, they had to vet them. So let's go to some of the quotes that, that Gail said in her vetting process. Okay. Uh, question two. The question is about open source instructional material. Uh the question is, mostly, why do you think that eligible institutions, meaning uh, not-for-profits, uh, uh, higher education sources, are allowed to submit open-source instructional materials for adoption without the State Board of Education being able to reject materials? Quote. Well, I don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's what? look upable. The, the whole open source. Oh, okay. Thing. Open open source materials are materials that are provided for free. And it's, it's sort of group like Wikipedia. Or you, you got a, some information stuff from the James Randi Educational Foundation because right. you want to teach skepticism. Exactly. Okay. Stuff, stuff like that. So it's it's no charge to the students. And it's not it's it's not for profit. You know, they don't, but it may free. also be biblical materials. It could possibly. It could be biblical materials. It but could be anything. Of, a lot of universities actually put open source material out for high school educators. There yeah. you go. Uh, or even MIT has free lectures that you can go to. UCLA right. has an extensive UCLA. foreign language program. Yeah. That There's a whole bunch on iTunes. You can go find out. Yeah. Uh, the, the iTunes University MIT free university. That's the kind of that's kind of the stuff they're talking about, or or books. Okay. Okay. So she says. So why do you think that these institutions are be, are able to reject, uh, are able to bypass the SBOE? She says, "Quote: Because the state board has standards. 
These are people who don't, or there are people who don't want that. And it's really pretty creepy. There's been a lot of, frankly, socialistic indoctrination going on in our schools for a long time. And I'm not afraid to come out and say it. I've seen it. I've experienced it. And it's no good. Socialism is old, old, old. It's just tyranny with a populist face. And this is being sold to our children. And a lot of these professors, they openly profess it. We have 60-some members of Congress who are socialists, self-proclaimed socialists in the Democrat Party. So that's why they did it. So she's a bit of a conspiracy cook. Cook. Yeah. Is she quoting that Florida congressman who said that he knew there were 80 uh, Communist Party members in the Democratic Party? I, I, I don't know. It, I mean, it sounds like the same kind of thing. Well, right? it's the whole Tea Party. The Tea Party is very much – socialism is absolutely bad uh, in spite of the fact that there's – roads to get you anyway um uh, education week so there are attempts by both democrats and republicans to remove boards such as a state board of education and she says we have a little bit of expertitis in our society right now as long as someone is an expert you just do what they say and don't think about it well experts sometimes are wrong even with good intentions we've got to stop relying upon experts and resume relying upon ourselves and until the citizens are doing it we must not get rid of the sboe when's the last time she asked her car mechanic to do some heart surgery on her family members this is and that's that's the whole thing it's you yeah you need to think about what the experts are saying, but they're experts for a reason. Right. Right. And, and yes, they're going to be wrong, but they're going to probably be more often right yeah. than someone like her, who apparently has no expertise, real expertise in anything. There's a quote that's um, with, you know, one of those Facebook pictures with a quote that, you know, floats around Facebook every once in a while. And I think, I think it's Carl Sagan who's saying that there's a real problem in our country nowadays because, um, the the attitude of my ignorance is just as good as your facts is prevalent in American society. And this is another example of is, that, of saying, well, I don't know everything, but that makes me equal to someone who is trained on this, someone who has spent many years in school researching these sort of things, looking at both sides and has said, this is what seems to be the truth. Let's go with this. Exactly. And this is my whole problem with the conservative party and their call of elitism. They did it with, you know, Barack Obama. He's an elitist. He's an elitist. I want an elitist in my government. Sorry. I want somebody that is smarter than me. I've met my neighbors. I don't want them as president. <laughs> and, that, and that's a really good point. And just like asking your car mechanic to do heart surgery. You want someone who knows what he's doing in a position... Or she's doing. Or she's doing. My bad. Uh, suddenly I feel like I'm in the life of Brian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you want someone in the position who knows what they're doing and, and not just doing something that they're not qualified. This, so far, just this Gail's background doesn't shows that she doesn't really know what she's doing at all. And the fact that she's pulling ideology at her ass... So she's got American history. Her two biggest influences are an American historian from 40 years ago yeah. and a nutritionist from 40 years ago and who's already been debunked. Yeah. And she's talking on the idea of science and 
you know, education saying we don't have, let's not trust any of these experts, despite the fact that she has no training in any of these areas. Right, and she obviously does not trust the teaching establishment because if you look on her website (laughs) and you go to constructivism versus traditional education, the last paragraph, we don't know that the radical teaching methods applied for the past few decades are contributing to the increase in violent suicide, mental instability, and bullying but neither do we know that they are not contributing factors. We need to return to traditional teaching methods that demonstrated success for hundreds of years. Yeah, what, like and, wrapping kids on their knuckles when they don't get their script writing correct? Well, that's the whole point. She she says these these words like traditional. Uh, and we and all know we what have, traditional no, is code we, for. Right. What the hell does that mean? Back to slates and uh, first through sixth <laughs> grade in, in a single school with a, with a school marm? What does traditional teaching methods mean? At what point does it become traditional? And like you said, uh, what do we spank? That we do we allow the 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 principal or the vice principal to spank the kids? Because that's traditional too, isn't it? Put a dunce cap on them. Yeah. So she's using a lot of buzzwords that don't have a lot of meaning. Like it's, it's like the term energy. Traditional like, is definitely a buzzword for conservative and religious, especially. Right, right. and then. Once you're also getting into that, well, maybe these new teaching methods are what increased bullying in school. Yeah, and, and that's Since a whole that is, correlation does not mean causation, causation kind of thing. Right, yeah, and that's that's a huge thing is she makes a lot of correlation causation uh, arguments, arguments that are that, not that don't that don't stand up. But let's, okay, so now we're going to get to the two things that brought her to the attention of the TFN. Uh, one is having to do with history by your favorite and my favorite person, David Barton, Ooh. where she says... Okay, hold on. He's our favorite. Our. <laughs> well, our, my... Okay, yeah. And you in podcast land. She says, quote, I was horrified at the false information that I had and the missing information for my own education. I didn't know, for instance, that when the pilgrims set up their little community, first of all, they were required to be communist. That was their that was that was in their charter. Communism is that old. It was mandatory. And as a result of that, half the people died in the first year. What? They opened up the Bible and said, oh, if you don't work, you don't eat. They turned it into a free market system, and they took off and flourished from there. What? <laughs> I feel like I'm I quoting David I... Tennant. What? Yeah. Okay, when they when they first landed here, they had to band together. The whole idea was they had – it was all community property until things got going. It wasn't because they suddenly found the Bible. It's like right. they had to band together because they were in a foreign land, and you can't just go off on your own and go, "I'm I'm independent, and i and look at me, I uh, I'm uh, master of my own domain." And they had to share what little supplies they had yeah. to get so through that first winter because they could they didn't know how to farm correctly. Yes, and they I didn't was certainly know, not here. They didn't know about the environment, the the elements. They didn't they didn't they know didn't jack shit. Build their shelters properly, or whatever. And there was a lot of people who died from exposure, disease, lack of food. That had nothing to do with sharing things communally. And I don't even think communism existed as an idea. Yeah, probably not. In, in but, the way she's but, describing it. But I love it because, okay, communism, it's, it's they're sharing resources, which is exactly what 
the Christians want to do because they want to share their resources in their community to do health care and the whole thing. They want communism just as much as they don't want it. <laughs> but they don't call it that. They just call it Christian love. Yes, because to call it communism would be to equate yeah, it with atheism. Or, or socialism. Uh, and the last, the, the latest thing that, that's come to light is her idea about sex education. So the uh, last question was, oh, no, what part of the teaks have, have risked sex education? You're, you're going to love this one. I at read this age, one. At what age level is it, is it taught? Do you agree with this? Uh, what would you change? Okay. So she says the earliest sex education should be taught is seventh or eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade. Quote, if it's introduced any earlier, we need to be up in arms about it, and it should be abstinence only. I would personally like to see it pretty much removed from our health standards. There's so much we need to learn about nutrition and, and, and toxins and exercise, and there's so much information about health, and there's so much junk science right now in the health industry that people just buy into it because they don't know any better. Sex education should be covered as a subject of reproduction in biology, and the rest of it should be addressed by parents and clergy, which is the social and moral aspects. Okay, real quickly. Society has been reproducing for thousands and thousands of years, and and I don't think it's something that we need to teach children in school. Even if we never say a word, they're going to figure it out. It's not that tough. And then she shrugs and smiles. There is so much wrong with that. Okay, so first she uses the word toxins, yes. which is buzzword hugely in the alt-med uh, woo-woo side of uh, nutrition. I was hoping she'd throw in a quanta in there, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, ooh, quanta. But then, but then she's, she thinks that sex education is about teaching children how to reproduce. How ignorant is she? Sex education is about how your body works and how to do it safely or to know what the hell's going on. She's, she's treating it like the teacher, like that uh, scene from um, Monty Python's Meaning of Life where the teacher starts having sex in front of the class saying, right. this is how it's done here, this is when I'm entering her, is that okay, sweetie? Yes, that's fine. And, you know, did you pick up the groceries later? <laughs> exactly. That, that, it, that would be it's, interesting. It's all about safe sex, and there's plenty of safe sex classrooms that teach abstinence as well, and right. safe sex, you know, full-on sex education with abstinence and condoms and contraceptions and sex uh, transmitted diseases talks does actually delay the beginning of sex. Right. Yeah, kids. right. Education actually helps that people right. to make an informed decision. And that's all, the whole point. As a TFNinsider.org says, you know, sex education isn't about teaching someone how to have sex. Texas has one of the highest teen birth rates in the nation. True. Clearly, Texas teens already know how to have sex, but they are tragically ignorant about the risks they're taking and how to lessen those risks. Sex education is about encouraging young people to abstain from sex, as well as giving them medically accurate information about condoms and other forms of contra contraception and disease prevention. That information will help them make important life decisions that protect their health and their future, like not getting pregnant and ruining right. their chances at or a, worse, uh, getting a disease, or and right. having your bits fall off. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> or a big gift that keeps on giving. Exactly. 
So Gail Spurlock is. Yeah. There's that, but there's also the idea of we we can only start it after say seventh or eighth grade. There's a lot of age appropriate sex quote unquote sex education that you can give even earlier. Maybe like you know ten to twelve and up. Maybe you start actually talking about sex and condoms stuff like that. Okay, maybe that debate can be made, but you can talk to kids even earlier when they're in say fourth or fifth grade about their bodies, understanding their bodies so they understand what they're going to go through when they start puberty in a few years, rather than wait until they're already smack dab in the middle of puberty to understand, oh, I'm going to grow hair down there. <laughs> or, you know, or maybe even earlier, understanding their bodies and, you know, how... Th how right, because I want to say that I had that conversation in fifth grade. Yeah. There's understanding even at an earlier age. And this is at a conservative Catholic school. Exactly. You, you get taught, like, when you're really little, this is where if someone touches you, you go and tell someone who is an, an authority figure. This is, you know, these are the parts of the body that are special they for adults. They touch you in your swimsuit area. Exactly. And that is technically sex education, and there's nothing wrong with that. And And every time a conservative rails about the whole idea of... You know, sex education in elementary school. They they think they're telling kids how to fuck. Yeah, yeah, because they've they've equated the term sex with the actual act of sex. Yeah. And and you think like we three people who are joking about sex, Adam and Eve dot com all the time and primate sexy time. We're we talk about sex a lot, but we don't seem to be anywhere near as obsessed with sex as the religious <laughs> conservative people are. No, no. Which I guess brings us to. Indiana. Yes, Indiana. Gotta love them. They they have decided to pass a new bill in Indiana, and I believe it has been signed by the governor that basically allows a physician to test somebody for HIV without their consent. This was interesting. Just reading the summary. Of this of this law, where right? Because the summary, you kind of have to almost diagram out the sentences to go. Okay, what exactly are you saying? You're allowed to do this, but you're required to do that but, after you've done what you're allowed to do, which you weren't allowed to before. They have to opt in, but opt out, and right stand on their head for some apparent reason. And you know, I I have a very hard time. The basically the last line is provides that under certain circumstances, a physician may order an HIV test for a patient without informing the patient, or despite the individual's refusal of the test. So he can the individual can refuse the test, and the doctor can still order it. Which is weird because the first sentence says, if certain conditions are met, the physician can test for HIV if certain conditions are met unless the individual to be tested refuses to consent to the test. But the end of the sentence, the end of the paragraph says that they can test despite refusal. Yeah. I, I not, I'm not certain that I really have too much of a problem with them doing the test. Um, because as a doctor, you're, you're going to be dealing with, with the patient. And if you think that the person has, a disease, right. especially uh, HIV. A, HIV or anything that's transmitted. Uh, now, HIV is not transmitted through touch, but it is through blood. And if he gets cut, I'm using a he. doctor's job has a lot to do with bodily fluids. Yeah. Right. Uh, so 
it, it helps to have that on their medical record that they have HIV because if if this person gets hit by a car, gets in an accident, and you had the suspicion that the person may have HIV, you can actually save a lot of trouble for other people that, that you okay. know. Right, and this is very good. This is where I go on the, yes, I can see where this is public health-wise. But at the right. same time, I don't believe that Indiana has LGBT protections, all of this jazz. Yeah. So could an employer obtain the results of the test uh, or even see that it has been tested when it comes back in the, you know, the paperwork Yeah, well, that's, that's for it. the health stuff, all of this jazz. There's a lot of privacy concerns. Absolutely. Right. Mm. You know, and there seems to be this rampant right now of not being informed of health. Con- you know, this <sighs> is not being informed of in test. Arizona has just passed a law that says a doctor can withhold information about a fetus if he thinks that the parents might abort because of that information. Right. These are all Republican initiatives, right? Yes, I believe so. So for a group that wants everything to be as transparent as possible, they sure are doing a lot of underhanded. uh, Well, you know, they want a government that's small enough to fit in my uterus. Right, but not for you to know about it. (laughs) Well, well, in the middle of the section of at least the summary, there were some requirements for the physicians, which is they're supposed to discuss with the patient the possibility of testing, that you could get tested for HIV. So that's kind of good that they say you got to at least mention to someone that, you know, have you ever been tested for HIV? It's something to consider, even if they go ahead and test anyway. So that's kind of in the middle. But they also say that... They have to, if they do this test, they have to notify the patient of the test results. Oh, okay. So that's a good thing to say, listen, we were doing, they could lie and say, we were doing routine tests and saw that you came up positive for HIV. The The other side of this is if you have people in, say, a minority community where either being LGBT or just being HIV is a very negative stereotype, and and there's a lot of prejudice in that group about that, you've got the possibility that people may not refuse testing or not want testing just because it's a taboo. And the important part of the, the public health thing to say, well, there's a possibility here my patient isn't willing to talk about it, but I think it's important for this person's health and community health. Right. Well, one, one assumes that the doctor uh, is is concerned about the patient. One right. would hope. Yes. Right. And I think, in generally speaking, that is actually the case. Yeah. <laughs> but, I just, but I agree, but, even just not telling someone and testing them and then saying, oh, by the way, you have HIV, that could lead to a lawsuit of, well, you know, invasion, you did of, privacy, some invasion yeah. of privacy. Of right, you. and that is where I think this law is designed to actually remove that ability. Because the invasion of privacy, it is essentially removing that argument from it. And that's what the Arizona bill does. The Arizona bill says that a parents cannot go back and sue a doctor for not telling them. Yeah. Hmm. Well, this doesn't say anything about suing at this point. Right. I, I'm I'm very on the fence of this because, I mean, A, it is such a deeply private matter and everything else. 
I do believe that it's going to lead to some patients being profiled by their doctors. Yeah. If you are, you know, a gay man and you admit that to your doctor. Well, that puts and, you in the high profile uh, the risk. High- and and that but, and in that, but in that case, that guy, that the, the gay man, should already know that he's a risk factor, and right. should probably be tested. Well, because it also depends on what your lifestyle is. Just because you're a gay man doesn't mean that you're a risk for they should be. If you're going out and having multiple partners, that puts you at risk. But you, if, if you have the same partner for ten of, years, for ten years, and you know that you were both not going around both faithful yeah i mean both i mean just like any heterosexual relationship as well you know if you have sex with someone who who has at a high risk you know you can get something from them right there there could be lawsuits of well why did you think i was a risk category you know if if someone's not homosexual or whatever it's like well, I don't do needle drugs. You've never seen track marks. I've never said I was homosexual or whatever. Why did you think I, you know, what could be HIV positive? What aren't you telling me? You know, those kind of lawsuits of, you know, why are you profiling me that I would have this disease? Especially that it's very specific that it's just HIV and not any other disease. Well, there is that. Now, that's... That's an interesting point right there. Why why not any kind of blood cancer? Yeah. Uh, or you're right. Any anything. Or hepatitis. Yeah. Which any- is just as prevalent in a variety of communities. Yeah. And just as much of a health threat. If, or, if I thought a leukemia. patient, if I was a doctor and I thought a patient would have um, tuberculosis or something like. That, um, I'm yeah. thinking of like the now here's no, someone that's who could where be you're pa- also okay. getting into the stereotype zero. Of, okay, but I I don't again I don't care so much that they are running a test uh, on I that they're running a test on somebody. Um, what I'm concerned about is if the person runs it because oftentimes if you go into a doctor and you're ill and they say well we can run this test or this test. Let's say you don't have a lot of money, so like, well, let's one, run the ones that are most likely, right? Okay. Uh, so that reduces your bill, and this is the problem with the American healthcare system: is you have to make this decision on how well you wish to be if you don't have the right insurance or any insurance at all. So, is is then that person going to be charged for this surreptitious test That's that they've been? Very, very good point. <laughs> Who pays for this? Yeah, right. It, it just like the ultrasound. You know, well, I guess the ultrasound—that's part of having the baby. Yeah, right? it's part of routine healthcare. It is. No, no, but I'm talking about the invasive ultrasound. Oh yeah. For for the abortion, the I wound up the hoo ha. Yeah, ultrasound. So, I, my guess is that they would just tack it onto the bill, and the guy's going to go, oh, five hundred dollars. What the hell? All right. In which case, then you can sue him. <laughs> because yeah. you did not ask for that so for that particular privacy service. rights with employers privacy rights with testing and who's going to pay with it this just opens up so many possibilities for lawsuits yeah very much so you know i mean the and I do, I do believe that healthcare rights the, the, there is a certain amount of privacy that should be involved 
Yeah, absolutely. I, you know. And but the system doesn't work as it is. As much as everybody is all, oh, it's you know, with HIPAA now and everything else. No, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we have no answer. <laughs> so but we discuss so you out there in podcast land will think about it. Contact the representatives right. if you have an opinion on this and don't email yeah, us because are, we don't know what yeah, we're talking yeah, about. Yeah. If you are in <laughs> Arizona or Indiana and listening to this and these issues bother you, please go look more in depth into them. We've done a great general overview, but contact your representatives. And pay attention for if you're not in those states, because it could be quickly coming to a representative near you. you. And <laughs> go Wildcats. Who are the Wildcats? I don't University know. University of I, Arizona. No, I assume that everybody, like there's a high school that's Wildcats uh-huh. everywhere or something like that. So University of I Arizona mascot. Go Thundercats. Yes, I thought I'd just <laughs> pander to the audience and the sports fans that well maybe you pissed off half the audience because that's the rival team way to go fuck <laughs> go blue and reds go beavers <laughs> anyway moving on well you know that feeling in your lungs you just had right there yes. where you weren't sure if you could quite breathe right well guess i was belching yes well <laughs> so- is there is there something i can take for that I don't know. There's kind of gassy, X-y type I do things. have some gas X in my... But sometimes cabinet. people burp... Oh, follow me here. Work with me. Okay. Sometimes people burp when they drank a lot of liquid. Uh-huh. And... And not wa- necessarily fizzy liquid either. That's true. So as you're drinking, you're taking gulps of air, you burp, whatever. Have you ever... So, you know, you know when you make coffee at an office or whatever, you have those little plastic cur- uh, coffee stirrers? Sure. That never seem to actually stir anything, but just melt it in the coffee? Melts, exactly. Yeah. Having asthma, I've always described as trying to explain what it feels like to have an asthma attack, is try to imagine trying to breathe through one of those coffee stirrer straws. Oh, the straws. I thought you were talking about the little spoons. The little, little spoons. plastic, Yeah. yeah. No, but the, there's there's little kind of mini straws yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the mini that straws. are also used. Yeah, and which which I never understood why they were even straws in the first place. I, I, I don't know either. But you you see a lot of people who try to grab like ten of them to actually stir with because <laughs> they're not they're not strong enough to actually stir with because yeah. they all flexy. Well, you know, just take take like one or two and try to breathe through them, and that's often what it feels like to have an asthma attack. Hmm. A really really bad asthma attack. Fortunately, I've only had one of those. But there are a lot of kids who have asthma. Ah. There are also a lot of parents of kids who have asthma. Does this have something to do with our next topic? Yes, it does. Yay, coffee! <laughs> oh. No, coffee well, doesn't I have anything to do I thought we were talking about Mocha Chocolinos or no. something. No, no, Apparently no, we're talking about uh, asthma. All right, come, calm down. It's not about coffee. It's about asthma. Uh, yeah. Uh, go ahead. <laughs> Fuck you guys. This is important to me. I like breathing. So, Just because you were the fat asthmatic kid in Little League. I'm still the fat has, asthmatic kid. Uh, that had to sit on the bench. No, no. I played catcher. Wow. Yeah. Didn't have to run as much. Yeah. A lot of squatting in that, though. Yes. <laughs> Bastard. Hey. Anyway, so asthma. There's a lot of parents of kids with asthma who are into alternative medicine. And it's a big fear amongst um, medicine people 
Doctors. Me- medicine, doctors. medicine men? <laughs> no, no. Doctors. Dr. Quinn, medicine woman? Ah. No, no. Doctor doctors. Like real, like, medicine-y doctors. Dr. Quinn was a real doctor. At least she played one on TV. Uh, yes. <laughs> Trying to get back onto the story. Trying. Desperately. Asthma. Kids. Yes. Doctors. So, a lot of parents of kids who have asthma are into alternative medicine. So and there's woo. a lot of, yes, there's a lot of fear amongst physicians. I should have used the word physicians. They wouldn't have gone on that stupid tangent. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> you, you think? <laughs> really? You have that little faith in us. <laughs> Mom said. You know, we're, we're still, we're still, uh, we, you still haven't told us what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm trying to, <laughs> desperately. A lot of parents of asthmatic kids use alternative medicine. There's fear amongst physicians that... If parents are into alternative medicine, they will forego actual medicine. So they'll do the homeopathic inhaler as opposed to an inhaler that or actually works. Or herbs or teas or homeopathy right. or anything like that. Yeah. So uh, recently, uh, Dr. Julie Phillip Chakras. of the University of California, San Francisco, has um, pulled together a study using existing data of studies of children and asthma that um, is, there's a, on, uh, a results of the study are going to be printed in the May issue of Pediatrics. And what they did is they took data for, unfortunately, it was only 187 parents. So it's kind of a small study. Um, but there was a, basically 187 parents. And um, they, they looked at the parents' use of said that they had used some form of complementary or alternative medicine for their children. They looked at the rates of how often the kid missed taking their medication every day or every week. And they, what they found was that on average, pretty much all the children in the study missed their daily control, daily asthma controlling medicine about 7.7% of the time across the board. So what that tells us is even if the approximately 20% of these parents who said that they had used complementary and alternative medicine, even if they were involved in any of those alternative medicines, they still use med- asthma medication just as often as non-CAM parents. Hmm. So I okay. think... Even though it's a small study and maybe more study is needed, it's good news that even if a parent is into woo, they're still understanding that a kid who has asthma, who has a serious issue like asthma where they may not breathe at some point, they understand that they have to use real medicine. Mm-hmm. And that that's a positive thing, I think, that there's there's hope. So, you know, you unfortunately may have these other parents who are wasting money on things like homeopathy and teas or something right, like but that. But they're using them as what they're supposed to be, uh, what what they're presented as, as complementary. Right. So in other words, they're getting real medicine and then they're throwing this other stuff at it in the hopes that it'll help. Right. So fortunately... And if, if that were true then their kids will be even healthier than the ones that were just doing the science-based medicine. That, If that were true, yes. <laughs> but it isn't, which we've seen from the placebo studies that I talked right. about, I think, around last July or August because it was presented around the time yeah. of TAM 
that placebos are shown to have no effect on asthma whatsoever. So it's good news that parents, most parents, I think, even if they do use alternative medicine, still will apply real medicine. And that's good. Yeah. And the, the interesting thing to me is that they really group together in this study all quote-unquote alternative medicines, which could be herbs and homeopathy and, you know, Reiki massage, but it could also include things like dietary change and breathing exercises and relaxation therapy. Because mm -hmm. I know, like I said, I have only been with one really bad asthma talk in my entire life, and... I know the attack itself was exacerbated the, by the fact that I was freaking the fuck out that I couldn't breathe. Yeah. It's so I was, I, I had cycle. trouble breathing. My medicine wasn't working as well. And I was getting nervous. I was getting stressed. I was tense. And that made the asthma attack worse hmm. to the point where they were giving me regular kind of breathing nebulizer type medicines. And they, that couldn't work. They had to use the last ditch effort of an adrenaline shot. To kind of shock Ironically. my body out of part. <laughs> Ironically, because you already had a shitload of adrenaline going through your yes. body because you were freaking out. Right. So <laughs> some quote-unquote alternative medicines like breathing exercises and relaxation are actually effective in medication, hmm. an effective complement to your medic medication, right. but aren't woo alternative medicines and it's unfortunate to me that all of this crap is lumped together under alternative medicine because mm -hmm. maybe you might have found that the the of the 20 percent of parents who did quote unquote alternative medicine maybe 10 percent maybe half of them just did relaxation exercises or changed the diet of the kid or something to maybe reduce reduce allergens or something like that or try to get the kid healthier so they're exercising more so they're stronger cardiovascularly or something like that. They may have been just as, you know, missed taking their medication just as often as the regular kids, but maybe the real big woo parents, which maybe just have been 5% of the group, were missing the asthma medication most of the time, and it was just kind of some kind of weird balancing issue. It's hard to tell when you only have a the couple bigger, hundred yeah. subjects. So... Some good news, but we need some more study. And um, you know, and we had one of our listeners post onto our Facebook page about this alternative medicine woo concept of repatterning. <laughs> and the whole there was the yeah, site Doctor Alley, Doctor Alley, exactly ultimate transportation, transportation. It's like a bus ultimate depot. transportation. UltimateTransformation.co.uk, so apparently a British website, where they're talking about the allergies that people suffer, and asthma is an allergic reaction. Mm -hmm. That, you know... All you have to do is one treatment will make your your asthma and your allergies go away. It's all about your mind. Yeah, it's a lot of, you know, kind of, your, you got to just... 
it's almost secret esque in that if you don't believe you have asthma, you won't have asthma. Right. But there's a lot of stuff on their website like conventional medicine offers little true understanding of allergies and allergic reactions. I love that because we know exactly how allergies work. Exactly. Frequently, science. drugs are used to simply control the reaction, either over-the-counter antihistamines or even more severe reactions with adrenaline. Adrenaline saved my fucking life. These people don't understand allergic reactions, and they're telling people, you know what, you don't need those drugs. So there is a lot of danger in this alternative medicine talk. But I would guess that most of the people who are taking alternative medicine or complementary medicine who aren't the practitioners of woo may be a little bit more real world. It's like the Catholic women who say, you know what, forget the Pope. I want some fucking birth control. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I, I have this article with this small little study about asthma has restored a little bit of my faith in humanity. Yeah. A little bit. Well, I'd like to give... A personal account of the uh, reprogramming, uh, which falls under the neuro-linguistic programming as well, if it's in that genre. Isn't it ironic that you can't pronounce neuro-linguistic very well? Yes. Because you're... <laughs> neuro-linguistic programming. Go for it. Neuro... New linguini programming. <laughs> Oh dear! Sorry, that was really uh, because it's all about what your what your brain and what you think. And I had allergies all day, and uh, I just couldn't think them away. Apparently, my brain isn't strong enough. Or yes. could it be that no, maybe no, no. you guys are thinking that I have allergies, and therefore you are imposing upon me via your psychic? Our skeptical wire our link. skeptical vibrations are messing up your vibes. That's absolutely correct. I'm going to say, then they're messing up mine, too, because I've got allergies, too. And and I've been drinking water all day, and as we know, water is a homeopathic dilution of pretty much everything. And uh, I still have allergies. It's a homeopathic dilution of Although the Although I universe, have had man. an erection all day, so apparently the Viagra is working pretty well. <laughs> You all right? Um, yes. She's sneezing allergic to your penis, apparently. <laughs> yes. Or just at least the thought. Talk yes, about just your penis. Yes, the thought of your penis sends me into an allergic reaction. Into, into a fit of sneezing. <laughs> well, oh, well. it's pretty much a sneeze, so I think that I'm just allergic well, to your penis. it seems talk of Gary's penis is kind of a conversation stopper, so why don't we just... I, yeah. Why don't we just... Hold on. <laughs> And on that note... Bring us to the lightning round! Lightning round! <laughs> lightning Please, round. for the love of everything that's holy, let's move to the damn lightning, lightning round! Stop talking about your ass! Lightning round! So, who wants to discuss what the lightning round is? Well, the lightning round is the brainchild of our deranged minds. Throughout each week, we will post stories back and forth to each other over the internets. Stories we find fascinating and interesting, and maybe actually our listeners might find fascinating and interesting. Or even silly. Yes, or silly. Or sexy. There's some primate sexy time things sometimes. Sometimes. Probably not today, though. No. Anyway, uh, there are just so many stories, and we can't talk about all of them during our long discussion segments that we said, all right, you know what? We'll get some of these out of the way, get some of this pent-up energy out of our bodies, 
in a woo-tastic way by doing a lightning round of saying, all right, 90 seconds per topic. We each get two topics. We'll get these topics out of the way, and we'll chat about them. And then The topics? We'll, the topics, which are topical <laughs> because they're... They're usually within the last week. Creams that you can apply to your skin. It puts the topic on its body. <laughs> I thought that was putting the lotion in the basket. It puts the topic in the basket. That sounds as good. Anyway, so uh, what we will have is, since she's not laughing maniacally, and I will start out with Donna. <laughs> okay. Well, a Naples acupuncturist was arrested this week oh. for, not for woo or anything, but for fraud. Yay! No. Wow. Insurance fraud. Apparently, she was billing Safeco and State Farm Health and Casualty um, $22,000 for treatments that she didn't actually perform. Investigation. You know? The investigation revealed inconsistencies in clinic documents and witness testimony from one of the patient's employers confirming that the patient wasn't even in town to receive treatment on the treatment dates for which Dr. Upsturk submitted the insurance claims. She has been booked. <laughs> And faces up to seven years in prison. Wow. Well, I guess if you're willing to lie about what acupuncture does for the body, you're willing to lie to insurance companies. Yeah, and <laughs> she's actually facing it on an insurance fraud, grand theft, and criminal use of personal identification information. Um, wow. You know, that's all I got to say, really, is, you know, too bad they couldn't get her on the woo factor, but... No, because uh, <clears throat> acupuncture is covered in, in uh, on lots of insurance stuff. But at least you have crazy woo-meisters like John Edwards getting sued. That's true. Yeah. That's true. So there is there is a, a whole bunch of suing of the psychics coming up. And there was a psychic sued for fraud up in Boston yeah. for charging hundreds of thousands of dollars for removing curses and stuff like that. So there's hope. Yay, hope. And speaking of hopeless, Gary. Oh, nice. <laughs> He's not hopeless. <laughs> Yes, I hate you. I hate you a lot. But not as much as I hate global warming. Uh, okay, yeah, go ahead. Go, okay. Keep going, keep going. Uh, ScientificAmerican.com had an extended article of one that had in their in their May version on, on online about bugs in the ice sheet. And they're talking about the melting glaciers may release a whole bunch of ancient microbes into our now tatty environment. And they're not quite certain what will happen. Uh, nothing may happen, which is somewhat reasonable to think. But really bad things could, ha could happen because some of these microbes are millions of years old. They've been they've been held in in stasis, and they may have even evolved uh, a bit, and no one's really sure what's going to happen. So they could hit uh, a nice warm environment, which uh, in the past the Earth used to be warm, and they may think it's a great thing, and then expand and start doing horrible blooms in in the oceans and change the the nature of the oceans, which kill off a lot of the flora we have. Or they could attack us too, sort of like the Andromeda strain. But or, probably uh, not. Scott Sigler contagion, I think. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. Contagion is a little bit different, as it has to do with aliens and Spoilers. monsters. Okay. No, no, it's it's 
he's anyway, read the damn book. <laughs> it's a good book, by the way. If you haven't read Scott Sigler's Contagion, the, the series, really yeah. cool. And pretty good, you know, skeptical author who wants to show real science and yeah. not so much science fiction in, in books. Yeah. So it's good. it's science fiction, but it's sort of like hard science fiction yeah. horror. Actually, it's horror. Science horror. Yeah. Horror. Well, All right. Speaking of horror. Horror. Rape. Rape, I do not like. I think it is horrible. Unfortunately, there is a problem of rape in the military. And it's an unfortunate... I mean, there's some studies that have been showing that the incidence of rape in the military have been decreasing lately. But that may just be decreases in, in, in reporting of incidences. Because apparently um, there's a pandemic of women who report that they have been raped to their superior officers... Well, besides the fact that superior officers are kind of dismissing the whole rape charges and saying you're just being silly or some, or some horrible behavior like that, but they're also um, they will be followed up and they will be discharged from the army for having a personality disorder. Now, a personality disorder is something that's actually in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, and... It's a personality disorder is a long-standing and flexible pattern of maladaptive behavior and coping beginning in adolescence and or early adulthood. And apparently all this met, missed all of the government screening that they do when they're coming into the government. Well, unfortunately, even though women are about 16% of the army, they're 24% of all personality uh, disorder charges. So it's it's really horrible, and it's making... Our military less safe because it's a horrible environment and i hate rape i know i'm going out on a limb there but rape is bad <laughs> well i don't know if we can uh, back you up on that there and to be fair there probably are people in the military men and women who are actually trying to deal with the problem of rape veterans associations that sort of thing but there's so much of culture of rape good apparently in the military that well, overlooking, yeah, overlooking rape because of mm -hmm. the integration of the female, which yeah. is makes it uh, a misogynist problem. But it's a really, it's a long, bigger article, and there's a pretty good article about it over on CNN.com, published and on April 14th, that you can we read. We will have if you a really link want to, to be, it, I think. Yeah, if you want to be depressed before you go to bed, go ahead and read that. Okay. But someone who's not going to make us depressed is. Happy. I don't know. This might actually make you a little depressed. It made me a little depressed. Well, we we are happy every time we see you, Donna. So our listeners are happy to hear your sonorous voice. Uh, yeah. Okay. And no so, pressure. Go ahead, Donna. So we all know that Rick Santorum is a huge advocate of gun rights. Second Amendment, very pro Second Amendment. He has recently come out with a statement about. When it comes to gun rights advocates, I have to say I don't hold a candle to my wife. I am a hunter and a gun owner, but she owns way more guns than I do, and she has a chance to shoot them more often than I do. Now, here's the problem. He is also a staunch family man. He has seven children, one of which is his daughter, Bella, who is three and has trisomy 18. And is in love with a vampire? No, but she is now like there, at huh? the age of three. A lifelong member of the National Rifleman's Association. I hope she grows up to be anti-NRA. <laughs> I'm just 
flabbergasted by this, first off. I, there, there really are no words of a three-year-old being a lifetime member of the NRA. They are rather imposing their values on this child. Right. <laughs> In addition, she has trisomy 18, which does involve some mental deficiencies. Oh, well, let's put a gun in her hands. Exactly. I'm just... Yeah. Shows a lack of critical thinking. Yes. Lack of critical thinking done by the Santorums, which we don't want well, to we spread. Well, we already know about the... Yeah. And, and with the whole Santorum thing and Dick Clark dying today, there's got to be some kind of Dick and Santorum joke in there somewhere, but I haven't been able to figure one out. No, you don't want to... You don't want to... I'm tarnish. Sorry, let's not you don't want to tarnish, tarnish Dick Clark's Clark name with Santora. Santora. That's a very good point. <laughs> Mr. American Bandstand and all. That's right. They do, do, do. They da, da, da. Okay. <laughs> On that note, I actually but do have. They do run, run. They do run, run. Okay. I, I actually, I have a, I have a good one, but it's, it's not really a, a news story. I was driving. Actually, I've seen this billboard a couple of times while driving down 35, um, just as you enter in is from it, 1604. Huh? Is it the one that I'm thinking of? I, I have no idea what you're thinking of. Uh, no, this one says, Vaccines Save Lives. And it has a picture of a baby on there. And it says, VaccinateYourBaby.org. Oh. And so today, it finally struck me that, oh, that's a pro-vaccine billboard. I'm going to go check out vaccinateyourbaby.org and it's a good site to get information about vaccines. Uh, they have a blog called shotofprevention.com uh, It gives you a whole bunch of reasons on why vaccinate, uh, about are they safe, what are vaccines, autism myths, uh, research and science on vaccines. And uh, they have TV and, ra- and apparently they're going on TV and radio as well and, and doing va- vaccination ads. So I'm, I'm really just, you know, Tickle just kind of chuffed about the whole thing. Tickle so it kind of balances yeah. out the big billboards that just say, thank God. Yeah. Yeah, see, that was the ones I thought you were going to talk about because they put one of those up in my neighborhood. Oh, yeah. I, I, was, I was trying to think of what, what the website for that was. But uh, vaccinateyourbaby.org. Shotofprevention.com. Follow them on Twitter at shotofprev. Very good. Not shotofperv. You know what? It is nice to end on a good story like that. We're well, not done. We're not done. We're not done. We still Damn have it. Well, okay. We still have him. Can we just end? <laughs> well, the that reason, was such a happy story. Well, the reason why I started on the rape story is because it was kind of depressing. So this is sure. I mean, make people leave early. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope that all our listeners are completists and they listen to the entire show. You're the only completist. Including the fuck-ups at the end of the show. <laughs> so that's why As opposed to the three fuck-ups who are doing the rest the of the show. <laughs> so I, it's kind of a silly story, but I think it has an important critical thinking kind of point. Robot sex? No. Oh. On Damn January it. 14th, um, can, uh, Air Canada Flight 878 was going from Toronto to 2011, Zurich. by the way. Yes. Last so year. last year and almost a half, um, this uh, flight was flying along, and the co-pilot or co-captain was taking a, a, a required nap 
because it's a long flight. And he took a little longer nap than normal, but he still got up. And at the time, uh, there was some turbulence and that there was another airplane in their radar range that was coming near the the, the, the um, plane. So the pilot, the co-pilot was a little disoriented and in, in he looked up, looked on the radar and saw this other plane, a C-17 from the Air Force, was flying towards them. And he looked up and he saw a spot right in front of them in the sky and thought, oh, fuck, that's the plane. And he started diving the plane because he thought he was trying to save everybody. Well, fortunately, the actual pilot or the main pilot pulled back up on the stick and said, no, you fucking don't, and <laughs> brought them up and to a level flight because below them was that C-17. <laughs> so fortunately, the main pilot pulled them out of this, but the light that the co-pilot saw was the planet Venus. And I'm going to take a mulligan on this one because I have three seconds. Um, the, the, good, the, the thing is, I would say, is every time someone pulls out to you some story <laughs> of... <laughs> A pilot. No, we're not going back to Gary's dick. Um, <laughs> anytime someone pulls out a story of, well, a pilot saw this UFO, so it must be an alien because they know what they're talking about. They see everything and know what they see in the sky. This is someone who's a professional pilot who, okay, yes, was groggy, but has flown these flights probably a hundred times before, has seen stars in the sky, and still was able to mistake. A planet hundreds of thousands of miles away. A very bright planet. Yes. For another object in the sky and mistook it for something else. So the argument of authority of, well, it's a pilot. It must have known it was a UFO is Balderdash, which is a fun game to play in parties, too. It may not have been too much of an overreaction if you actually thought a plane was coming at them because when – I mean, they're they're flying at a couple of hundred miles per hour. So when yeah. you're seeing the lights, uh, you don't have a lot of time to make corrections. So, well, yeah, I I I think it's good that a pilot had quick reactions, and it's even better that there's two pilots there for right. someone else to say, uh, "You're making a mistake. I have to correct you right now." Right. Which is good, and it's a happy ending story, but it's also something to discuss with your friends who are complete and utter believers about. Well, you know, you know, this doctor saw something in the forest, so doctors can be trusted, so it must be Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Or something like that. Don't just trust arguments from authority. Right. And, right, and because... we are telling you that. Because <laughs> right. we're your authority. Exactly, exactly, like, exactly like the Tea Party says, we can't trust the experts. I'm not an expert, so listen to me. Yep. Which makes it. Which makes it all the more better. I'm a classified, certified expert. Well, we're not, no. But that's classified. You can't tell anybody about that. Fortunately, you're talking on stuff on which you're not qualified. Yes. Which, that's fine. That's perfectly all right, and we must trust everything. Trust, you, trust me on everything right. except biological anthropology. Yeah. Not only are we not qualified, we should probably be certified. True. Certified nuts. Indeed. Okay, well, does anybody have anything else? Anything else? Anything? 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 Um, anything? Monkey sex. Anything? 
All right. Well, thank you for joining me this week. Yes, and uh, we do appreciate we got a few more likes on our Facebook page Yay. this week, but that was more of a whiny like person. Like us. There was, was a whiny personal comment comment of mine because we were hovering for several weeks at 68 likes, and given the amount of times that we've talked about AdamEve.com and Primate Sexy Time, that we couldn't get 69 likes, yeah. and then we got three likes in a row, so now we're at 71. That's fine. That's 69 <laughs> with two fingers up your ass. <laughs> Doesn't and have to be a her. Can be. And you know what? Yeah. And I got recognized at Reason Rally when I introduced. You know, I, I on the Skeptic Wire. I got. You're the monkey sex chick. So, awesome. All right. So you know, obviously, primate sexy time kind of works. So you're recognizing us. You're liking us. You can also leave feedback on iTunes for us, so we get even higher up in the ratings and all that. That so. would be cool. It's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks. We'll see you guys next week. Or not see. Probably we'll talk at you. We, yeah, we will talk at you next week. <laughs> yeah. All right. Enjoy yourselves. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. Speaking of asthma. Yes. My <laughs> dog. Dog has been snoring, snoring through the entire topic. I don't think that's really as, it's not asthma, no. as much as it's obstructive sleep apnea. <laughs> <laughs>